A quick note before this episode starts. Please note it was recorded just before the government announcement of a price cap on utility costs. The price cap slightly changes some of the outlook we chat about, but I think the principles do still apply. I hope you can overlook the time warp and enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Simon. I'm Stuart. We're both property people running our own businesses. And this podcast is just us chatting every week about the reality of anything and everything property. Now, last week, we talked a little bit about my my updates of, of late, including remortgaging and further borrowing. And the reality for, for you this week, Stuart, is that you're having some some issues with some further borrowing, which are feeding through into to cash flow fun and games. So so yeah, what what are your updates? Well, I guess it's it's kind of the other way around. I've got issues with cash flows and cash flow and the further borrowing is is going to solve that problem, but we we've just got to wait for it. And yeah, trying to think of this in a nutshell, I I guess the challenge we've got at the moment is that the 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 business because of the things we're going to get into a bit today around utility costs, increased costs my business cash flow has been under a lot of pressure so much so that it's the first thing i the bank balance is the first thing i check every day and and as we were talking earlier i checked this morning and my bank balance was was mine it was a minus figure now this this causes me a lot of pain because i don't have an overdraft on my business bank account because the wonderful people that <clears throat> don't allow me to have that even though there's considerable turnover going through the business so what it means is when I see a negative number in that bank balance on a morning, I, I have to solve that problem, usually by, I think it's 2 p.m., 2.30. <laughs> Otherwise, things start getting bounced. And as we know, mortgages and banks don't like it when uh, when their payments get bounced. So it usually puts me under a bit of uh, pressure. So this morning I had to run around trying to borrow from Peter to pay Paul, which is something I've been doing a lot since I've been back from holiday. The irony for today was that after trying to solve that problem, I went out of the account, came back into it actually by accident, and the account was in plus funds. And I realised that some rent had gone in today that I'd actually forecast to come in tomorrow. So I can relax for 24 hours. But that is the, the kind of pressure that, that I'm feeling at the moment to, to ensure that our cash flow is going to be good. And as you've You've said that the further advance is actually going to to really help that because we're we're going to put some funds into the account which will smooth things out. I think the first thing just to to let the audience know or the listeners know because you know we talked about this separately, but one of the key reasons for this is is yes we've got a lot of rising costs, but my business always suffers between between the months of June and September because a large proportion let's say a third of all of our revenues are student, which means we only get paid in October, January and May. And so that, that time period from, from June to September feels really, really long because we're, we're missing out on those payments. And, uh, you know, we've changed the business model a lot, but that also, you know, creates a lot of, of issues. But one of the, the, the issues that you and I were talking about and it seems like the whole world is talking about is the cost of utilities. And although I'm still yet to do a real deep dive to understand the impact of utilities on my P&L, what I do know is that just anecdotally, the costs of my utilities have gone up by at least 
in the round. So whereas we might have been paying £3,000 or so, we are now paying £4,000 or so, and that's only increasing. It's going to be going up to 5000 or so. Yeah, presumably that's without the, the latest increases or the, the most recently announced increases that haven't actually kicked in yet. Yeah. So yeah, presumably you're, you're, you've got more fun to look forward to. Yeah, and I suppose that leads us on to the question which ourselves and many investors, landlords are talking about at the moment is that what are we going to do? Because for the foreseeable, we can't see a way around it. So what are the options to us as investors when your cost base has increased so significantly, but your revenue base, certainly in my case, now myself and many other landlords and investors that offer properties inclusive of bills are really feeling the pain on this. And of course, there's an easy question that everyone says, well, just increase your, why don't you just increase your cost? You know, it's, and that sounds like a really simple answer. And of course, that is one of the avenues we're going to have to, we have to go down. We, we don't have an option now, I don't think. No, no. A lot of your rentals are student rentals. So they're only for a year. So you don't, you don't get the problem of long-term tenants who are sort of trapped on a lower rate. Trapped is probably the wrong word there. But anyway, and, and you do get to revisit these every year and you, you could increase them assuming the, the market allows. But these, these problems are coming up now, this year, in the next six months. And when did you agree most of your student lets that are going to be moving in? So students, t- typically they'd sign up in November, December of prior year. So for, for the forthcoming year. Yeah, exactly what I thought, which is, which is probably a while. Well, it is a while ago now. And in terms of utility costs, it's, it's a, a long, long, long time ago. <laughs> so, so yeah, unless you had some incredible foresight to, to increase your rents last year in preparation for utility costs going up this year, I, I'm, I'm guessing there's not much you can really do about your, your next 12 months, effectively, of student income. No, I mean, it's a conversation we'll have with the, with the agents around what, what the options are. For me, two, two-thirds of the portfolio now is working professionals. So they're not students. So we, we have to look at those contracts and, and see where we're at. But the, the challenge that we've got is that we're operating in an environment now where it's, it's a bit, I see it a bit like when having come from a you know, fast moving consumable goods background is, is when you, so for example, the, the example we used to always give is, is in, you know, if you go into a supermarket and you're looking for a shower gel, essentially you just pick the cheapest one because they're always on promotion. And essentially we've all been trained now. We're just going to find a shower gel or a deodorant for a pound because that's We've now been promotionally incentivized, and that is now our expectation. And forgive the digression there, but it, but essentially, what's happened in our area is that most of, if not nearly all of the rooms available are inclusive of bills. So it's it's a really hard market, and I think it's got it's going to have to go this way, where we're going to have to start breaking away and say, actually, we can no longer sustain this because. We cannot offer a cost, a fixed room rate cost, with a such a variable cost base as utilities is right now. But of course, if I if, if I just on my own say right, that's it. I'm just going to cancel. So of all of the contracts we've got, I'm just going to say right from date X, we no longer take on 
the the, the bills we're, or we'll no longer take on gas and electric we'll keep everything else but you you're you're you as the tenants are going to have to take on the the utility the energy costs they're then in a place where they can look around and say well okay we've got another 3000 options where that isn't the case but i think there will be a change in the market it would either be room rate well it would probably be a combination of room rate increases and or the fact that more rooms will start coming onto the market with room plus you know room plus you 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 have to cover your energy costs so i think that's a couple of the things we're looking at yeah i i mean in in shared properties i I just see so many potential issues with that i I mean from from a landlord point of view i i don't know what else landlords are going to do i I think i think you're going to have to as you say either increase costs or probably more likely because you cannot predict these costs and tenancies are fairly long term you're going to just have to separate them but if you do separate them and you've got a uh, an hmo with sharers who don't know each other it's going to be another potential point of disagreement sort of person x has been running a uh, an electric heater in their room all night and and they've bumped up the electricity costs for everyone else and how are people in the house supposed to manage that it's just going to be i mean you you know better than me because you actually do manage hmos going through these situations but i hear from various hmo landlords that there are fairly frequent disagreements between housemates on assorted things taking out rubbish for example is a, is a common one that i hear stories about but this is just going to be another tension point for people to start kicking up a, a fuss do you do you think that's actually going to be a significant issue or or am I am I making too much of it? Well I, well, I think it's one of these issues that's been around since properties were rented on multi-let, which, depending on your history, can could be you know, centuries in, in terms of, of that. So it exists. I mean, there, there are models where and there are companies which we use which split those bills for them. So there's a lot of companies specifically aimed at students that do that. Yeah, a company we use to pay the bills does it on on their behalf, even even though we cover all the costs. But I think I think those issues have always existed, and it will always continue. And you know, rubbish. It just makes me laugh because that is that is one of the you know. There's there's always there's always one, so to speak, that that, that just won't pull their weight in a in a shared uh, house. You know, as we know in shared offices as well. There's all there's always one that kind of does it. So. So I think those challenges are there, but I think we operate in a very specific market. I, I don't think every area is the same where it's so prevalent that you've got the, the utilities cost. And I'd be really interested to hear from anyone listening, actually. Yeah, please do you know, reach out to us on at biz of property on Twitter or message us via the business of property.com. But really interested to hear uh, anyone else's experience of this, just to, to add it to, to our thoughts. But yeah, I think it's. I, I think those issues have always existed. It, it's just that in my in the specific market that we're at in the university town, that's it's it's more of an issue because of the because of the fact that that ninety nine percent of the rooms that they go for are inclusive. Some areas I know are less so, where they they're still very much. I mean, we still have things in the contracts where you have fair usage policies, 
Now, I've got to, I don't think we've ever executed on one of those, so to speak, purely because of, you know, administrative cost and sometimes cost of, you know, getting th- th- those funds. So, but the point being is that there are other elements in there that you could look at your fair usage and costs and say, well, actually, based on the fair usage, which is in the contract, and again, I'd have to look at 60 contracts to see who had that and who didn't, because we're going to have some that are mixed and some that don't. Because again, you couldn't say that to one person in a household and, and not the other, because that, that you would then have a riot on your hands, <laughs> or, or possibly no longer need heat because someone set the place on fire. But, but yes, yeah, so I think um, so. Utility costs, if, you, you know, coming from a, a more specific, you know, that is one of the things that's really causing us issues in our cash flow. The other, the other element, unless there was anything else you wanted to talk about on utilities, I was going to say the. Or to ask the company that does the the splitting for you. Presumably, they just split it evenly. Yeah. If you if you were to sort of start thinking about splitting it more in usage, have you looked at any schemes or options where you could have some kind of meter per room or anything like that? So, I mean, it wouldn't be sort of an official electricity meter. I would I would assume. I would assume it'd be more like a a sort of electricity monitor type thing. I mean. You can't do this with heating and gas and stuff, particularly. That'd be much harder. But from an electricity point of view, you could get, you could funnel all of the electricity for one room through a certain point, and you could put a home electricity monitor on that. I mean, you can get sort of plug-in versions that will tell you how much power you're using, but I'm sure you can get more sort of industrialized ones that, that report it via the internet and things, a bit like smart meters do. Mm. So I'm sure, sure such things must exist. Have you... Have you considered that? And, and do, you, do you think it would even work in an HMO? The short answer is no, I haven't considered it. They do exist. I have definitely, I've seen one and I know there are obviously electricity monitors that you can put in the rooms. And like you say, I'm sure there's pretty smart ones that you could do now. I, I think by the time you've, well, and this is based on a lack of zero research and, and analysis. But I would imagine by the time we'd factored in the cost of even in a five or six bed, putting those into each room, let's just say each one cost a hundred pounds, that's six hundred pounds, then you know, I'd obviously need to pay someone to make sure that's all connected correctly and so on. We're then looking at you know, so anywhere between five to seven hundred pounds. The short answer is in the in the long term, would that be a good thing? Yes. Absolutely. But in the short term, I just think, yeah. And would it work is your question? Well, I think I think it would. But, uh, you know, it's in the it's in each individual's room. And I always have sort of question marks upon, yeah, these things just might get broken or, you know, just not be working correctly for, 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 for reasons that we may never know. Yeah, although I'm sure there must be solutions where you could do it more centrally. So, for example, if you run a separate circuit to each room and then put the monitor on on that circuit at the at the breakout board level, I'm probably using the wrong words. Not not electrician. That I'm sure I'm sure you could could do it at that point rather than relying on on something that sits in somebody's room and making sure they don't tamper with it. But then you've probably got more installation expense. Yeah, and. Well, again, having not researched this at all, I don't really know how it would work, but based on the fact that obviously it depends on the electrics, electrical devices being plugged into sockets in those rooms and that that needs to be measured. So I just, for me, I think it feels a little bit like 
one of those things that you feel like you have to do, but actually has it mitigated anything other than your, it might make you feel better, but will it have any real material difference in the medium term? Yeah, probably not. (laughs) (laughs) But, but yeah. And perhaps we will get over this this hump in very high utility costs and perhaps they'll they'll come back down and perhaps it'll be less of an issue so it's, it wouldn't be worth the, the investment either but but perhaps perhaps not i don't know yeah and the final thing i will say on utility costs is and that's true i mean obviously we're all hoping that this will just be a spike that returns but we just don't know but the other thing the utility costs has done is that on projects we are looking at it has meant that what was previously a, a project that looked really good for for a business partner and myself is no longer looking great and that's just because of the, the increase in utilities the increase we were looking at a, a five stroke six bed house utility costs of around you know let's let's say 400 pounds a month that are now 50 percent greater based on the quotes that we've had so far which in some circles actually it probably doesn't seem that bad for a five six bed house but all of a sudden, you know, our costs have gone up a couple of hundred pounds a month. So your net income has got obviously gone down a couple of hundred pounds a month. And for a shared uh, investment, it's not, it's not, it's looking less viable. So it's now got to a stage where what, what would have been a really good project, we're now looking at together going, mm, can we even do this? And, you know, that's, you know, my, my feeling is we will, we will do it. It's just, we're going to have to take a real hit on, on the net income, certainly in the short term. But the other, just the other element that I wanted to mention on in terms of the cash flow and the what the economists call the downward pressures is, well, in this scenario, it's actually the standard variable rates, particularly with one savings bank stroke Kent Reliance, is that I now have at least three properties that have gone on to standard variable rates. And some of those properties in terms of monthly cost have gone up anywhere between 30 to 50%. Ouch. Yeah. It's painful. It's painful in the extreme. Yet the the banks themselves, it's taken so long to deal with them. And that too, obviously, has a real big impact on our cash flows. And it's really frustrating because it feels like there's very little you can do. Now, could we, well, the one thing we should have done, and we have to take responsibility, then when I say we, my business and my business partners, what we should have done is actually addressed this t- two months prior to the SVR deadline. Unfortunately, we just weren't that proactive and unfortunately didn't have that information from brokers or the bank themselves. Well, to be fair, the bank themselves probably sent letters out a month before. And, and But there's little you can do. That's just not enough time at the moment. <laughs> but there's not enough. I mean, I, I think I had it on authority that it takes them two to three weeks. And Simon Glastonbury, who was on our podcast a short while ago i think said something like you know it takes between two to four weeks before they'll even look at your you know your, your application or whatever whatever we call it for a, yeah. a revision so th- the news for anyone you know listening is that uh, if you do have any uh you know deadlines coming up for standard rates, you know get onto it and get onto it quick because you know that's having a, a significant impact when we get into the end of it i mean i'm told on a couple i mean one we've been working on since april so you know, we're, we're talking well over, well into four or five months now that it's, it's taken them to deal with. Some that we're told that have been dealt with, but haven't had any output. So, yeah, that's that's a significant issue for us specifically as well. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a huge change in, in 
what's almost certainly your biggest cost. And yeah, I mean, to, to have to cope with that for, for months because the because external forces are, are taking quite a while to, to get things arranged. I mean, that's, that's painful and, and unfortunate. And then have that on top of rising costs in other areas as well. I mean, yeah, very, very difficult. Well, I just had a very quick look, as you mentioned it. Right now, utilities is costing more than mortgages in the business. Ouch. And it's only going to get worse. That's that's also quite scary. It's close. It is, in terms of our cost base, it's mortgages is 19.3% and utilities is 22.8%. But that actually, that includes service charges as well. So it's probably they're probably about the same. Oh dear, yes. And then utilities are going to go up 80% in the next month or so. And then come January, they're going to go up another whatever, 50% or so. And and yeah, it's, it's going to get, get painful. I was going to ask, actually, in your project planning for the this, this new property you were considering that's not looking so shiny anymore, how much of an increase have you factored into those calculations for sort of next January and, and the, the subsequent increases. And sort of alongside that, are, are you able to also sort of say, well, perhaps we can make this project viable again, simply by saying we charge slightly less rent, but it's excluding utilities. Is, is there a market for that at all at the moment? Do you, do you think that's even even an option? Sorry, I've thrown two to three questions at you all at once there. <laughs> yeah. No, we, we, I mean, we... We've just based it on the current increase, but obviously we've acknowledged that there are further increases to come, which is why we're now uncertain about it, because we're like, well, okay, this doesn't look as great with the current increases. If this goes up another 10, 15%, then actually this one property will be running at break even. So, Yeah, and I think 10 to 15% is, is optimistic. I think you'd be looking more at another 50%. So you've gone from, from 400 to 600, and then you're probably looking at going to 900 from that. I would say at least, really, mm. which is which is really scary, to be honest. And then on the second point, I, I you know, the, the next step in the plan is to, is to sit down and talk with our letting agent that, that that works with most of our properties to talk about, you know, how how we can do this and whether or not we need to start thinking about it. Because the challenge we have, and this is something I was going to talk about earlier on, but the challenge we have. Is of course we can we can take every, any decision we want. We can separate the utilities from the from the room rent, but you know people will vote with their feet, as we say. And what we need is bums on beds. And it might be, for example, that we have a six bed house, and actually we, we separate out the uh, the utilities and we say, right, actually we're changing the model because that's what we've got to do. We're going to lower the rent, so you get you're going to get a nicer room, but you've got to pay for utilities. Now, four or five people might accept that one, you know, but one might. So we run the risk then of having a greater void period. Now, avoid one void, one void room per month. We're talking four or five hundred pounds. So all of a sudden, the fact that you've now changed your business model slightly means that you, you've lost that revenue. So and that is the, the kind of formula that we need to look at and, and work out because Okay, it might make us feel better that everyone's now paying their own utilities. But if it meant we had two months voids that we weren't going to have before, all of a sudden now you just lost a thousand pounds of revenue. So yeah, that's the fine line. Yeah, 
it, it's kind of who, who jumps first because all of all HMO landlords are in this difficult position, and and somebody at some point, well, some people are going to go bust, I suspect, but some people are going to have to start changing the model and, and jump to changing the rent, changing the contracts, excluding utilities, and and you're right, the people who go earliest are probably going to suffer a little bit because while there are other options still available, the tenants are going to flock towards that. And and you say that there's going to be some, some void suffered. But then those landlords are not going to be able to sustain it. They, they, they just simply can't. So it is something is going to have to change. Something is going to have to adapt in the market for for it to continue working at all. And, and yeah, it's, it's just a case of who jumps first and, and when and, and then how quickly the rest of the market follows. I mean, something I've seen locally, I think, is the the other option to HMO landlords, which is to sell up. It, I sort of keep an eye on properties that come up in, in the Red Hill area, because that's my, my local area. And relatively recently, so in the last, I don't know, let's say month, I have seen two properties come up for sale that that are clearly ex-HMOs. And I mean, you can tell from sort of the, the way they're decorated and laid out and things. And and these are properties, um, I think one of them was four bed and one of them was a five bed. They, they were empty, being sold with no chain. So these obviously did have sharers living in them and they have been evicted over the last few months, obviously, as through, through the appropriate processes, I'm sure. Uh, so this is something that these landlords have been planning for a while and are now putting these properties on the market. And and this is this is Red Hill. There aren't very many HMOs in Red Hill anyway. It's not a, a big student area or anything like that. So, I, I, yeah, if, if I can see this just in the last month, two HMOs in this area, two obvious HMOs in this area coming up for sale, uh, it's, it's got to be a, a wider spread problem. And landlords must be choosing that as, as they're out rather than trying to adapt and change the market. Yeah, and what, what's interesting, because this is something I've talked about as well with, with my business partner, is that all, all of the things we've talked about, I think, will happen to some degree or another. And in every market, there are going to be people that sell up and there'll be people that sell up and then those properties won't obviously won't be on the market, we may get converted back to residential. So what does that mean? That means fewer fewer HMOs in certain markets, which means there is less of a supply, which means that price has to go up. So I think what we're thinking about is the fact that prices are going to go up for all of the reasons that we've talked about anyway. So it's it's just how we manage that. And the fact that, like you say, I'm hoping that the, the, the herd will go soon. And like you say, it's, you know, do we, are we the ones that had to put our necks out and you know maybe start the stampede of, right, we're going to cut it. But it's, it's very hard because we want to put forward high quality properties. And of course, for higher quality, people have to pay. But there's there's always a limit to that. But yeah, so we're in for some interesting times. Indeed. But we are out of time. So as as Stuart considers whether to start a stampede or not, we are going to leave you there for this week. Please do reach out and get in touch if you have questions or thoughts on what we've been saying. You can reach us on at B-I-Z of Property on Twitter, or you can email show at thebusinessofproperty.com and you can find show notes at thebusinessofproperty.com with interesting links and all our past episodes. Please do leave us a rating and review if you can, whatever podcast listening app you choose to use. And we will talk to you again next week. <laughs>